You're listening to the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. Here we go. Hosted by industry expert, trainer, and motivator, Scott Love. Hey everyone, this is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me for episode number 13 of the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. So how are things working for you on your desk? Are you seeing your desk get a little bit better than it was about a year ago? Hopefully you are. Most people are. Most of the people that I talk to on a regular basis, they're seeing a more increased activity of their clients going forward with candidates. However, the one thing that, they, that I think is common among most recruiters is that clients are not as fast to make decisions. We'll talk about that later on in this podcast. I'll give you some ideas on how you can keep your clients from being slow to move. But let's talk first about strategy. We're going to talk about what you can do to get your clients to move quicker. And then I'm going to play an excerpt for you from one of the training sessions that I do every week in the coaching club on five things you can tell a candidate during that initial recruit call to get the candidate to go forward. So first, let's talk about strategy. Are you dealing with the right type of organization? As you see things change in our economy, we ask ourselves this question, where are trends within my niche heading? And how can I be at that place before everybody else gets there? As we look at all the changes at our desk, we want to be more like the Native American than anything. We want to be like the Native American and follow the buffalo. They would follow the buffalo. If the Native American was in, it was in Kansas and the buffalo moved to Colorado, well, they wouldn't just sit there in Kansas and hope that they came back. They would follow them. This is a, a mistake that I see some recruiters making, is that they're stuck in their niche and they don't want to leave it or make changes in it because they say, look at all this time and all this effort I've invested in it when the niche is either dead or it's dying or it's going to change. I've seen this in several different levels. Uh, here's one example. I've seen some recruiters that continue to recruit in a niche where their clients have now become their competitor. Their clients have built up these internal recruiting departments and those internal recruiters can find the low-hanging fruit, the candidates that are easy to find on the web. Yet that was most of the type of candidates that they would place in the past. So they don't change that. And they stay there. And then they wonder why their clients aren't going forward with their candidates because their clients don't have to. Another aspect of this is dealing with the wrong type of client. Someone that gives you an indicator early on that they will be a problem client, but you continue to work with them. In fact, I've got a search assessment instrument that will help you that will make sure that you're dealing with high-value, low-risk clients. It's a free tool. Go to my website. It's greatrecruitertraining.com. Go to the free download section and scroll near the bottom, and you'll see where it says Search Assessment Instrument, and that's going to help you to start thinking the right way in terms of your strategy. Are you spending your time with the right types of clients? So let me share something with you. If you have a client early on in the process, the most important thing you can do is to set the expectations early on. This is a common theme just about every week during the coaching club when we open it up to all the people in the coaching club and, and during 45 minutes of, of this call every week, recruiters get a chance to ask for advice and I'll share the ideas that I have with them and I'll open it up to the group so they get to hear from other recruiters. It's really the only place in the industry where people get to come together every week among other recruiters and hear what's going on. And every week, Usually, some recruiter has a situation with the client that's slow to respond or the client disappeared or isn't calling him back. And we'll kind of dissect that and analyze that and give them some solutions. But more often than not, it becomes an opportunity for all of us to learn how can we keep that from happening in the future. And how we do that is by setting the expectations with the clients. And you can do it like this. As you develop a new client relationship, 
you can say this. Anytime you leave a message for me, I'm going to call you back that day or first thing next business day. And that's because it's important for us to develop a rhythm of our search. On the same hand, anytime I leave a message for you, I'd hope to get a call back from you quickly that day or first thing next business day. And that's because, Mr. Client, there's a window of opportunity. And we don't know when that window of opportunity in the candidate's mind is going to close. So from this point on, the only time I'm ever going to leave a message for you is for one of two reasons. I either have a candidate that wants to go forward and meet with you, or I have a candidate that needs information to decide whether or not they want to go forward and talk with you. Either way, I want to make sure that you're okay getting back to me quickly. And then the two magic questions that I always say are, does that make sense to you, Mr. Clyde? Yes, it does. Are you okay with that? Yes, I am. And when you do that, when you explain it that way, and you tie it down with those two magic questions, you're going to remove the problem of slow-moving clients from your desk forever. I think the biggest frustration of our industry is disappointment. Disappointment in other people not doing what we feel that they should do. I think that the reason why it hurts so much is because anytime you develop a new client or a new candidate, there's a degree of vulnerability that you bring into it. You make yourself vulnerable because you're putting yourself at risk. You're putting yourself out there and you're hoping that they're going to reciprocate. And sometimes it just doesn't happen. I talked with a veteran recruiter, someone that had been in the business probably about 10 years the other day. And he said he, that, was, that was the hardest part of the business. And I told him, I said, if we could get rid of the candidates and the clients, this would be such an easy job. Would, there wouldn't be any stress associated with that. So we have to look at other people as not people that we can control, which is why I don't believe that candidate control and client control really exist because we can't control other people, but as people we have to influence. We have to detach ourselves, detach ourselves from the results of them following through, do the very best job that we can early on and gain agreement and let the cards fall where they may. And that's all you can do. Now I'm gonna play an excerpt for you from one of the coaching club sessions. This one is on five things that you can tell a candidate to increase the odds of them going forward early on in your recruit call. This part of the coaching club call is a training part. If this is your first time, we've got some new members that are on the call today. I usually do about 15, anywhere from 10 to 15 minutes of training. Then we open it up to the group who's got some deals that they close that they want to share with everyone. And then we open it up to your questions, your issues. So go ahead and do this now. If, if you've never uh, asked a question on the call but you've been on regularly, there's a lot of folks that have never asked anything. This is your time. Uh, if you want to email me, my email is scott at scottlove.com, and I'll call your name out, and you'll be the first to uh, to start as we get to the, the Q&A part of the call. This, this part of the training session, I know last week, the last two weeks I was talking about uh, candidate issues, recruiting to passive candidates. I'm going to continue going down that since I know that that's an area that brings a lot of value to people. Being able to call those candidates that are worth full fee, I've got about five key concepts here that I think will help you when you're dealing with your candidates. And remember, these are the candidates. Most of them are the ones that are on the fence. In fact, if you want to get a visual diagram of this, you can go to my blog. You can get there by going to the greatrecruitertraining.com site and then scroll down and you'll see where it says Scott's blog. You can just click on that. The link is scottlove.wordpress.com. And I put a new article there called Increasing Your Call Output. And there's a, there's a visual graph that shows you out of 100 people 
that you talk to, if you call up candidates, and if you uh, if you engage them in a dialogue about their career, half of them are going to say, no, I'm happy where I'm at. I don't have time for this. Click. That's what you get. You get nothing. The other half, uh, probably about uh, three out of ten, let's say if we've got a pie chart and you can see this, three of those folks are going to say, I'm happy where I'm at, but I like you and I'm going to listen to you. The other two of those ten, so half of them, the other two are going to be very open to hearing about other opportunities. And you can see on the pie chart, if you go to my site, click on where it says Scott's blog, and it's the, the post that I put on there today. It's a visual graph that shows you. If you talk to 100 people, this is how it breaks down. Our business is, is a business that's built on uh, real subtle communication. There, there are these narrow, thin threads that your deals are held together by. And here's an example. The inflection in your voice is enough to get someone to listen to you. If you didn't have that inflection in your voice, they would shut you out. They wouldn't hear about your opportunity. They wouldn't consider that there could be something out there, and they're going to shut you out completely. You've lost out. But if you talk to someone in a way that opens their mind up to you, just that hairline thread is what your deal is hanging on. And that's why this is a business that's simple. Find a candidate that wants to make a move, find a client that's hiring, and place them in there. It's simple. That's it. That's how you make placements. But it's extremely volatile because you're dealing with people. It's, it's extremely delicate because of the nature of our business, talking to people about the things that they don't ever want to talk about, you know, the fear of change. So, uh, so, so the point of this is showing you that there are little things that you can do to open up the mind of a candidate, and there are these little threads that your deals are going to hang on that are critical, and you have to do all this stuff. That's why we're always learning about sales. We're always learning about influence, persuasion, getting people to look at opportunities, all that stuff. You know, That's why I recommend that you read elementary sales books, books that you've read before. Oh, I've read that book. You know, I've been to all the sales training seminars. Maybe that's what you're saying, but you know what? You still need to read those books that you've read before because you're always changing. You're always growing. You're going to look at things today from a totally different perspective than when you, where you were at five years ago. And sometimes you don't need to learn anything. You just need to be reminded of those things that you'd heard years ago. And so, so I'm going to share some five key concepts with you related to candidates. Getting candidates to consider hearing you is, is really, that's just a narrow thread. That's just a very fine thing that you can do. But if you get them to consider it and to listen to it, that's what your deals are, are hanging on. So tip number one. Your goal in talking with these passive candidates is not getting them to leave their companies. It's getting them to each little step forward in the process, from one little step to another little step to another little step, and then finally about 20 or 30 steps later, they're turning their notice in. So this is going to make it real simple. Don't think about calling candidates and getting them to leave their companies. Getting... Call the candidate and get them to consider that there's something better out there. That's your goal. My goal is to get each person I talk to to the next step. And that's it. It takes the pressure off. When I'm talking to a candidate and they tell me no, my goal in that conversation is to get them to at least consider that there could be something out there. If I can get them to consider that, then I get them to the next step to talk with me about that, or at least to agree 
to talk with me about that. We don't have to talk about it right then and there. It might not be a good time for them, but they have to agree to open up the door. The next step in that, in that conversation is to build a, tr a trust level with them, to have some rapport, to find out what's missing from their career. What are those pushes and the pulls? You know, the things that are going to push them out of their company, the things that are going to pull them to something else. The next step is to share my client's opportunity to the candidate in terms of what would motivate the candidate. And then eventually, then finally about five steps later, then I'm going to get the resume. So each candidate, your goal should be to move them to the next small incremental step in the, concept, in the process, and some of those are just to get them to consider that there's something better out there than their current situation. So that's it. Everybody you talk to that's a candidate, your goal should be to move them forward to the next little step. If you get a candidate that says, I'm happy where I'm at, I don't have time for this, click, that's okay. You can't do anything with that. That's a successful call because you know this is someone that's not worth your time. So out of those 100 conversations, half of them, listen, I don't have time for this. I get calls from recruiters all the time. I'm really busy. Click. That's great. I don't need to waste any more time with that. Statistically, I know that if I talk to 100 people, half of them are going to be like that, but half of them are going to be very productive calls. But either way, that's still a successful call. I've achieved my objective. I know whether or not I should spend any more time with this person. I can't even, I'm not even going to get a chance to build a rapport to try to turn them around. So that's okay. That's a successful call. I have an end result. The next step in this is the concept of little yeses. Little yeses are huge because if you can get someone to say the word yes, you're that much closer to the next yes and the next yes. That's why and I've used this example in some of my webinars before, the people that sell vacuum cleaners. They knock on the door. Hi, ma'am, is this your house? What's the answer to the question? Yes. They got a yes. You want to do as much as you can to get yeses from people. So when the person answers the phone, you call up Richard Smith. Hi, this is Richard. That's how he answers his phone. The first thing you say is, hello, Richard, like that. And they go, yes. The first thing out of their mouth is the word yes. So other examples of little yeses. If they tell me no, when I say, are you open to hearing about things? I just wanted to call you, make an introduction, and see if you're open to hearing about other things. Is that something that you're open to? No, I'm pretty happy where I'm at. Remember, we move away from the call. We try to build rapport, try to find something we have in common. We come back to the call. And remember, we use the standard phrase, and you can find this on the, um, and I'll find out which, which webinar it is. It's on the webinar. Hold on a second. Let me let me let me go there and I'll tell you which one it is. It's the webinar called Recruit Candidates Who Will Get Hired. Number twelve. The rebuttal's right on there. Most people I talk to fit one of three categories. They're either going to retire with their current firm, that's it, they're not leaving ever, they're staying there forever until they retire, or they're actively looking, or they're kind of in the middle. Where do you think you'd put yourself in that range? And remember, most people will say, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm kind of in between. So they've just admitted. They've just told you that there's a possibility I'm not going to be here forever. We want to ask a question that ends with the answer of yes, and it's this question. Do you think it's possible there could be something better for you out there than your current situation? Do you think that's a possibility? And they'll say yes, or they'll probably say it like this, sure. Or perhaps, 
but that's still an affirmative response. You're, you're taking them and you're moving them to the next part of the process, which is agreeing to talk about it. Here's another example. There's, there's two other examples of these little yes questions. Another one is this. I'm not asking you to leave your company, Joe. I'm just asking you to consider that there could be something better for you than your current situation. Do you think that's a possibility? That's another way you can kind of move into that. Here's another guess question that you can ask. You can say, so if I came across an opportunity that was substantially better than your current situation, would you at least want to hear about that? Sure. You're getting them to say yes. So, so Joe, let me ask you, so you talked to a candidate, I'm pretty happy with that. So let me ask you this, Joe. Let's just say I came across an opportunity that was substantially more powerful or substantially better than your current situation. Is that something that you'd want to hear about? Some people will say no. And, and you know what? What that really means is you're not getting in. You're not getting in. I'm not trusting you. I'm not going to play your game. I don't have time for this. No, I wouldn't want to hear about it. And there's nothing you can do. Okay, Joe, it was good talking with you. I'm glad we got a, a chance to talk. I'm going to email you my contact info, and I'd love to be a resource for you. Anytime you want to talk about your career, if you ever get a raise or a bonus and you don't want to leave your current situation, call me and, and tell me about that, and I'd be glad to tell you how that compares to everybody else because I keep track of that information. Wow, thanks. Now you can get referrals from that. So if I had a situation that was substantially better than your current situation, is that something you want to hear about? Yes. So we got, we got a little yes. We can move it forward. Tip number three, you want to take the lead. When you're talking to these candidates and you've got someone that said, well, yeah, I probably want to hear about that, you want to take the lead at that point. You want to say, uh, Michael, let's do this then. What I'd like to do is spend a few minutes more about where you, learning about where you are in your career and where you want to go, and if, where you want to get to in, my, in your career, and where you want to get to in your career, if that's a place that my client can take you, I'll tell you everything about them, and you can decide if it's something that you want to take a peek at. And you see those, those phrases that I use. You can, you can decide for yourself. I'm, I'm removing the pressure. You can decide for yourself if that's something you want to take a peek at. Notice the phrase, is that something you want to take a peek at? What, what is the mental image in his mind? Just taking a little bit of a peek, not going out on interviews, not having to write my resume, not having to travel two hours away to go interview at the corporate office, not having to fill out the 13-page questionnaire, not having to let them do a credit report on me and a background check, not having to get all my references and you know all the other stuff that is going to happen. We just want to get them to the next step, which is considering there is something better out there and then agreeing to take a small peek at something. Does that sound like something you might want to take a peek at? It's a, it's a, it, the words that we use, they convey a certain meaning in people's minds, and for him it, it's noncommittal, and he's not committing that he's going to turn his notice in, that he's going to turn his loyalty from his current firm where he's been for seven years. He doesn't have to do that, but he's agreeing to go to the next step, which is to talk with you, to consider there's something, and now to talk in more detail about the opportunity. And we do that by taking a lead. Let's do this, or let me make a suggestion. So as soon as you get a candidate that gives you an affirmative response when you're giving them that rebuttal, 
Does that sound like something you might want to take a peek at? Or do you think there's something better for you than your current situation? Yeah, probably so. Well, let's do this then, Michael. You know, now you're saying, okay, time out. Let's see where we are. Let's talk. You're taking a leadership role. And it may not be an appropriate time for them to talk about that. You can usually tell. If someone seems distracted, if they sound like they have a lot going on, you'll know. Maybe it's time for me to kind of, let's say, end this call and let's schedule a time for us to talk further. And then hopefully you'll be able to get them again. But I want to make sure I've got someone's undivided attention. Otherwise, the presentation that you make about your client's opportunity, it's not going to be as effective. I would rather wait and have to track them down again for the next three days to make sure I can really find out what motivates them than just pitch an opportunity to a candidate. Tip number four, always expect them to say yes. I remember getting a call from a telemarketer once, and she went through her spiel, her presentation, and I told her, I said, you know what, that sounds like a very interesting proposition that your business has. I'd be interested in hearing more. And this is what she said to me. She said, okay, thank you for your time. Click. She was expecting me to say no. And a lot of times we get a lot of no's. More than half, probably half, more than half are going to be no's. But you want everybody that you talk to, you want to be surprised if they tell you no. I mean, you want to expect it. You expect them to say, yes, I'm open. So that way you don't seem too excited. You don't seem like, gee, this, this, this never happens to me. You want to act as if it happens to you all the time. And number seven, speaking of acting, you want to be an actor. You want to see yourself as a hotshot recruiter when you're talking with people. You want to see yourself almost like you're the Jerry Maguire, that you're smooth at handling people's transitions, that you're the expert, that you're the person that's in a position of authority, even if you're brand new. The way you see yourself, they're going to pick up on that. If you're just not sure about the business and you're brand new, that's okay. Just pretend like you're a big biller. You want to sit the way a big biller sits, talk the way they talk, move your hands when you're talking to people when you're on the phone the way a big biller would. You want to see yourself as a hot shot recruiter. And when you do that, other, other people are going to respond to you. You see, we always, we always train people on how to treat us. If you sound real mousy and intimidating they're going to pick, uh, and intimidated, they're going to pick up on that. But you can be real gentle and still be extremely assertive and powerful in how you talk. You don't have to be a jerk. You don't have to be a boss. You don't have to be very loud. You can be real subtle and just use some of this powerful verbiage that I'm sharing with you. You know what, Jeremy? It sounds like this, this might be a good thing for you to hear about. Let me make a suggestion. What I'd like to do is spend a few minutes finding out more about where you are in your career, where you've come from, but more importantly, where you want to go. And if the place that my client can take you is a place that fits your career ambitions, I'll tell you everything about them, and you can decide if it's something you want to take a peek at. Whatever you want to do, I'm cool with. I mean, that's the phrasing. I use that phrasing all the time, and that's something that I've, I've taught people because it doesn't have any pressure, especially if you're talking with high-level people that get calls from salespeople all the time, and there's so much manipulation built within those calls, they can, they can see through that. And when you use this verbiage, you will have candidates that tell you things like, you know what, no one ever talks to me like this. You have a very good way about yourself on the telephone. Or I get calls from recruiters all the time, and I always tell them no, but there's something about the way you're talking to me that causes me to respond, and I want to hear more. And I think a lot of it 
is also based on your core values. You've got to draw a line and say, I will not go beyond this line, and that line is putting people in a place that doesn't offer them any value. You've got to be willing not to compromise on that. When you say that I will not do anything unless it serves other people first, and you make that part of your core values, and you, you walk away from deals where there's no value. Now, you've got to be creative, and I'm not saying roll out every scenario if you can't see it. No, you've got to look for it, and you ask yourself, is the potential for value there? If there's the potential for value, that's enough to go down that. And then, anyways, I'm kind of going off on another tangent. So, so that kind of summarizes the, uh, that kind of finishes the, the training part of the call. Number one, focus on each little step in the process as you're talking with candidates. Number two, use little yeses when you talk with them. Number three, take the lead, say things like, let's do this, let me make a suggestion. Number four, expect them to say yes. And number five, see yourself as a hotshot recruiter when you talk to them. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Visit my website for free tools that will help you build more at greatrecruitertraining.com.